from Mark, chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. Now, when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the traditions of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the traditions of the elders, but eat with the filed hands? And he said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of my father or mother must surely die. But you say that if anyone tells father or mother, whatever support you might have had from me is carbon, that is, an offering to God, <coughs> then you no longer permit doing anything for a father or mother thus making void the word of God through your tradition that you have handed on. And you do many things like this. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. When he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, Then do you also fail to understand? Do you not see whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile, since it enters not the heart but the stomach and goes out into the sword? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, It is what comes out of a person that defiles, for it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Thank you, God, for all the variety of ways you used to bring us into this place of worship today. In our time together, in our song, our reading of your word, and our prayer, speak to our hearts. Lead us to experience your presence. Fill us up with your spirit and send us out in the world to serve you in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The narrative lectionary is going to be full for the next, till we get to Easter. Uh, it's going to be, have these events of Jesus teaching, but also his teaching in, in conflict with the Pharisee powers that be. So it's where our story comes from today. It, it seems as if the, the, the disciples and Jesus are traveling along, or, and there's this group of Jewish leaders who are following along, just waiting for one of them to step out of line. Ha-ha! See? How can you do that? How can you do that? It's like they're teetotaling pietists that just... There's going to be this ongoing annoyance with them for the rest of the story of Jesus and Jesus' ministry. But it's, but it's helpful for us to understand all the details of, of what the story with Jesus and them is about. Because it's not just what it seems like, oh, just a bunch of detail and pietists. It's more complicated than that. There's something more subtle here. When we understand the context in which Jesus and the disciples are working, how the people of Israel functioned in that day, it's helpful for us to see that. The Pharisees are actually asking him a question that is about us and them. Are you going to be with us? Or are you going to be with them? The them being the Sadducees. The Sadducees did not practice this washing that the elders had passed on since the time of Moses. And so there is an underlying question. Are you going to be with us or are you going to be with them? And why? Even still, Jesus says, You hypocrites! The prophets spoke about you rightly. Because you take the law that's been passed down, which is, again, a very interesting thing. When we hear the law in the story of Jesus and, and Jesus' ministry, we, we hear the law from the Old Testament, the Torah. But there are actually two kinds of laws that the people of Israel are following. They follow the, the written law, the Pentateuch, the, the Torah, and the oral tradition that's been passed down through generations of elders as well. And that oral tradition eventually is written down and we refer to it as the Talmud, which is different than the, the law of Moses, but it's been passed down in the same way. And so that's the rule that the Pharisees are talking about here. And G- Jesus says, you're still using it for your own gain. You're still not getting it because you're focused on the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law. Jesus talks about uh, this in many other places, but right here he's going to call them out and say, you, you hypocrites, you do these things. You use your traditions for your purpose, and they just get distorted And oftentimes, traditions get distorted. We're going to talk about our traditions a little bit this morning. What they may mean for us and how they get moved and twisted and maybe we lose the meaning of them. Like this, I had a colleague who 
was serving a church in the Northeast, a very, very old church with a lot of tradition. And he'd been there for a, quite a while and couldn't figure out why. When the lector would step up into the lectern, which they had a, is an old church, so their lectern had like, had a railing around it like this actually, and so it was more of a fixture. But when the layperson would step in to read the lesson, they would like bow way low, and then they would step up and read the lesson. He's like, where'd that come from? Couldn't figure it out for a long time. And he's, he, so months later after he's starting to ponder this, he's visiting one of the homebound older members of the congregation and mentions it, and they laugh and say, well, I know why. Because there used to be a bar across the back of the lectern, and they would have to dive under it. But somehow when they fixed it so that bar wasn't there, they still kept it. How do our traditions turn into something we never intended them to be? They turn into the law of the next generation. When we focus on the letter and not the spirit. So when Jesus talks about this korban, says, see, you guys even do this as a way of serving yourselves and not what God told you to do, not the spirit of the law. We don't understand this because it's something that was very cultural to Jesus' day. The, the korban was a, a declaration that could say, even though I'm responsible for caring for my parents, a wealthy person could say, all my blessings are given as a gift to God. So I'm going to give them as offerings to the temple. And that excuses me from caring for my parents. Why would someone do that? Here's a modern example that makes it crystal clear, because the same was true then. If I am a wealthy person and I am paying for my parents' health care and taking care of them, no one's probably going to notice. But if I make a large donation to that very same hospital, they might name a wing after me, right? The benefit of me and the acclamation and the attention of giving to the institution is always going to give me more attention and caring for my responsibilities. That's what Jesus is calling out here. And he says, and goes even further and says, you, you think that, that the cleanliness or defiled or undefiled is determined by what goes in, and it's not. It's by what comes out. Mark has this little little parentheses here. And so Jesus declared all foods clean. I was going to tell a story about shrimp, but I'm, yeah, I'm not going to go there now. It's a story from another time. Shellfish. Why is that not kosher? I don't know. Anyway, uh, and he goes so far as to say, you don't understand. The things that go in are not the things that defile. It's the things that come out. The fruits of our lives. And then he gives this list, which is a great list. It's a great list, right? The things that come out that defile are fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, and folly. Folly? I was fine until we got to that last word. Why is folly now? All right, well, all the others, I'm like, okay, I'm good. Oh, wait, I folly around a lot. Probably you do too. The point is what you do, not what you eat. The point is not about washing hands. I could spend some time talking about washing your hands. Washing your hands is good. That's not what any of this is about. 
I just want to say, coronavirus, wash your hands. But that's not what this is. This is about ritual and what our rituals mean and how we enforce and follow the rules and laws of our faith. Those should lead us somewhere. And it's not to righteousness. Jesus says, uh, uh, backing up just a second, the word, it's an interesting, interesting observation because this leads us into a, some of our rituals, maybe. The word that is used that says defiles, the things that defile, that word in, in Greek is actually uh, not what we use the word for defiling to mean today. When we say something is defiled in our language today, it often means destroyed, deflowered, devastated. That's what defiled is. But that's, that's not what is meant here. The word def- that is translated as defiled means uh, actually something that is not elevated to a holy status. So, it, so the, why do your disciples not, do, why do they eat with defiled hands? The actual translation of, solid translation of that would be, why do they eat with common hands? Because the ritual was meant to elevate and make their hands holy, set apart. The opposite of that is not evil. It's just common. Our language is important here because the other thing that Jesus goes on to say, well, if you don't do this, this washing, which he describes in Greek as baptismo, baptism, which is what washing means, that ought to cause us pause to think about our own rituals, why we do them, what they mean, how we maybe use them as law in a way they never were intended. The second thing that I think is important, and this is, this is taking the story um, that Jesus tells in a way that I think applies in our culture right now, but is not where Jesus took this story, not where he took this illustration, but it's like this. He uses very specifically the things that go in are not the same as what, those are not what defiles you or make you unclean. It's what comes out. The same can be true in Jesus' day and in ours, that the things that happen to you are not what defile you. Many of us have had experiences of trauma or violation. Those are the things that go in. Those are not the same things as what comes out. We live in a culture right now that seems to be very, very happy to allow everyone to be a victim of something. We get to decide what defines us, and it's not what has happened to us. It's not what goes in or what happens to us that makes us defiled or unclean. It's what comes out. We get to decide. About 12 years ago, there was an incident that was in the news, not for very long, but it was one of those gun violence issues. It happened in Pennsylvania in an Amish community. And, and it struck me deeper because my first call was in uh, rural Wisconsin amongst Amish communities as well, and so I, I had a deep connection with that, that place. There was a gunman who went into a school and killed nine little girls. Terribly evil and violent act. 
As a response to that, the Amish community made a very specific and purposeful statement of forgiveness. They couldn't control what had happened to them, but they could control their response, and they chose forgiveness. It didn't stay in the news cycle very long. I mean, the news cycle 12 years ago was different than it is now, but it didn't stay in the news cycle for very long because once the community had made their statement, they didn't add anything to it. No matter how many times people came and tried to interview them, that was it. In fact, a week later when the reporters came to try and get an additional statement, what they found was that the schoolhouse where this had happened overnight had been torn down and the ground had been plowed. And that was all they would say about it. So again, it didn't stay in the news cycle very long, but it was profound. Because they as a community didn't deny the evil that had happened. But they chose to respond in a way that was thoughtful and faithful with forgiveness. Our tendency as a culture is usually to respond an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But we're called to something different than that. All of the things that are our rituals and all the things that we would refer to as laws, the purpose of them is this. They are to draw us closer in our relationship with God. When it comes to the commandments and the law, it's in Matthew 22 where Jesus is challenged by a lawyer to say, which is the greatest commandment? I mean, a good rabbinical question, but it's true in all of the places where the law and the tradition come up, in, even in stories like this. Jesus says, well, you know the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's that simple. The things that we do in our rituals, the things that we enforce as rules of how we're going to function, they are for the purpose of drawing us closer to loving God and loving neighbor. That's the purpose of it. So when we gather here, like we do for communion, the bread and the wine, we come forward to experience the physical, the physical presence of our forgiveness, but, but we also come forward to experience the presence of God in one another, giving us hope and strength in understanding what it means to love God and love our neighbor. When we baptize our babies, it's not just in case something tragic happens. Again, all of our rituals, all of the things that we do are for the purpose of drawing us closer to our Creator that we need to love God and love our neighbor. All the things that we hold as rituals, including coffee on the patio, those things are for us to draw closer to our Creator so that we may love God and love our neighbor. This week, in the way that we live out our faith, May all of those things that we do here in this place, all the things that we do personally in our devotion and our own piety be those things that lead us closer in that relationship that we may love God and love 